Hi everybody! Welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop and your monthly roundup, a top 20 ranking and review of the best new releases. Usual caveat applies real quick, just want to let you know, I listen to literally hundreds of new releases a month, so it's always so hard to narrow it down, let alone rank these, so no, I try to keep my objective music critic hat on as I analyze these works, so it's never a personal diss towards your fave if they're not on the list, and sorry if they're not, that's just the nature of these lists. A lot of people will not make the cut, but stay tuned because my honorable mention section at the end of the episode is always chock full, so your fave may be there. Sean Docasa, not S-H-A-U-N. This is a different artist, S-H-A-W-N. His voice kind of goes in and out of interesting filters, hazes of sorts. The vibe is fluctuating in a weird way. Lots of funky, unexpected sound effects, different sonic elements just thrown throughout the songs. Unique instrumentals aside, he does show off some impressive just vocal talent. And the best of both of those worlds, with the haunting emotional feel to Mom Don't You Cry, the weird start and stop feel to Loving Me Ain't Easy, very fitting for the theme, the slow piano back if I Got You reminds me a bit of Jackson Wang's Cheetah just in the vocal delivery in how he sings it. He has another slower song at the end, Young Boy, so if you prefer that stuff. My favorite, I think, on the whole album is TikTok No Reason or maybe Weird Love. Dokasa is very memorable as well. I'll say officially TikTok No Reason. Blah 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 is actually pretty good too. Very improv type, twisty, and pretty emblematic of every song on the album. Blah 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 sums it up. Luz, L-U-Z, Ruthless. He is really just very specific and reliable with this aesthetic. Super campy, super over-the-top on purpose, super spooky in a not-jump-scare way at all, like a Rocky Horror vein instead. He's just back in that sweet spot. The song is so frenetic in the best ways, as is the video, which is just full of 360 spins and images that keep layering on top of each other rapidly, like some real-time collage making or something. The orchestra playing frenetically in their bunny heads. Everyone except the two main characters, him and an Alice in Wonderland type main Alice character, are in mascot heads. So you've got frogs, rabbits, etc. at this spooky dinner party, spooky frenetic dinner party. It is bonkers in the best ways. It's definitely a mix of Coraline and Alice in Wonderland with the aesthetics, even the soundtrack of it all. I could picture working with some sort of Tim Burton production or like a TikTok sped up version of a scene from a Tim Burton movie, especially with the opening. You'll see the black eyes, very Coraline-esque. One moment I will admit was a bit ugh for me was when the Alice character is, it looks like she's about to be served up for dinner and taken advantage of, but then she does get her revenge and she basically proves to be a vampire who bites one of the werewolf wearing, werewolf head wearing dinner guests, which seems to have a weird voodoo doll type effect leading to bloody tears for Luz. It's like if the dark version of Red Riding Hood was remade, but for Alice in Wonderland. A vampire twist does sound like a made-for-TV movie. It is great for its weirdness, and Luz is just the perfect person to pull that off. Number 18. Lapalus, Girls Round, Part 2. Honestly, their debut just did not do it for me, and Girls Round, Part 1, overall just, it was okay, but not for me. This is so much better. Them truly becoming more of a team. You see that in the video with the more synchronized choreography, the stronger confident attitude, the interactions with the camera. They are really kind of thriving and living up to their own hype. Very uncompromising attitude. There's a very Red Velvet vibe in the Red Velvet Bad Boy type lane vibe to Marionette. The song who's next was the best title track choice, though. The whistle-laced choruses, the drum rolls, lots of details in there that are memorable. Paper also feels full speed ahead, but then it has kind of funky, kind of slower choruses. And they keep up the interest in catchiness with Ulala and its cute chanting in unison. Number 17. Say the name, 17. Neem Tokyo, Mimetic Infection. I talked a bit about this on the Best Albums of the Year So Far episode recently, so I'll keep it short. The bottom lines are, first of all, this album shows off new sides to them with the different units that I appreciate. 
Second of all, it overall has good variety, but stays quite electropop-focused. Very funky, especially Melt. That computer game-type noise, very, very weird, and I like it. But they have more just danceable electronic fun with Feel the Virus. I also thought the format was cool with the surprises inside style because the tracklist starts and ends with the group wide numbers and in the middle are the more sonically experimental unit songs. You can picture the album coming to life in concert quite easily. Lastly, I do think it's just so strong when comparing it to their self-titled album. Their best release of the year is just leaps and bounds, better than the last era. They're both really good, but they've really improved. Number 16. Ren, Rendezvous. Nice. He really proved just what an asset he was to New East. His riffs, his vocal skill, seamlessly just transitioning across pitches, tempos, styles. He has a great versatile voice that fits well with lots of different songs. Autofill is my favorite, but I do love when an artist harmonizes with themselves. Mike Wazowski meme style, like in Imagine More and My Story. Ready to Move is, at first I thought it was kind of boring, honestly, but the more I thought about it, the more it felt intentional. Like, actually, he's making a statement. He's in dressy black and white outfits. He's dressed for the office or a performance or something, something dressier. But he's like, you know what? No, I'm restless. I'm ready to move. I'm just here to experience life. Norms don't matter to me. Screw that. I'm just gonna ride my Jeep on the beach and wear my fancy outfit to the woods, to running down the road, whatever I'm doing, rocking out in front of a thunderstorm, don't care about the dress code. I'm just gonna live life not caring or even noticing any weird looks I get. Who says what's out of place? Who defines that? Now, that should have limitations. The fireworks around him are concerningly close, but it is just, there's more to it, I think, than what first met my eye. And he also has moments where he is stuck in a cube, unable to get out to run and dance and roam freely. So part of him still feels held back. So he does convey some multitudes through this story. Number 15, Yenna Hate XX. So many thoughts about this release, so bear with me. I kind of changed camps in the build-up to this release and the aftermath of it. First, I was in the camp of, yikes, I don't like this concept at all. Like, very disappointed in her for having a comeback with the title track, Hey Rodrigo, with all the obvious Olivia Rodrigo messages. But then I moved into the camp of, wait, I should just wait and see, because it could be an ironic title. And she's actually saying, oh, I hate you, like, the way you say it to someone you really admire and you're jealous of, which turned out to be the case. But that was not conveyed, I think, soon enough. And so the backlash started when it didn't have to. Anyway, then it came out and I moved into the camp of yes I love this song and I get it and honestly part of me probably was just really thrilled and relieved that happy smiley Yenna was back like when I tell you I was upset when Love War came out I'm not kidding I was like very unnecessarily upset by her Love War era because I just really fell in love with the stories in smiley and smartphone the super super bubbly colorful cartoonish character she played the superhero character I just love those adventures, those kids TV show type adventures. And when she suddenly went dark for Love War, I was like, no, Yenna, I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. And I was really worried she would then just keep it different. Like she had grown out of the kids TV show aesthetic, but I was so relieved that she didn't. So part of the reason I was just very inclined, predisposed to love this new concept was just the relief of the return of smiley, colorful Yenna rocking out and just sounding so cute and likable. Plus, you know, I love G-Idol. And so having Yuki be the feature, I was also sold on that. Plus Pop Time composed Hey Rodrigo and composed G-Idol's Queen Card. Artist shout out aside, just bigger concept wise, aesthetically, I was so on board with this. My one issue with it was just the marketing. I just feel like besides just being more transparent from the get go, that this is not some diss track. I just think maybe it would have been smarter and feel at least a little less gimmicky and rude, I guess, if they had actually just not named the song that. Maybe just name the song Rodrigo or I'm So Jealous or something. 
as an Olivia fan and Yenna fan and a G Idol fan, a fan of everyone here, it was disappointing how this was received, but also in how it was marketed. I think a lot of issues could have been avoided if two things had happened. If first of all, the agency had come out with a statement right away saying, before you start speculating, before this becomes accusations of bashing Olivia, let's clarify this is not a diss track. It's quite the opposite. It's a song about how much Yenna looks up to Olivia and wants to be like her. and is kind of jealous of her because of that. And we'll even include that tribute at the end of the video, dedicating it to her. If they had come out right away and said, look, don't start speculating this is a diss track toward Olivia. The Rodrigo in question is her, but it's not like that. That would have helped. I also think it would have helped just to change the name. It would have felt less gimmicky if they had just called it I Hate You or or just Rodrigo or Queen Rodrigo. I don't know. There's a way to make that song without that ire provoking title. Unfortunately, we just don't live in a world that waits for context. A lot of PR headaches could have been avoided if the rollout had been more transparent from the get-go. But then again, the speculation helped generate buzz that they were probably hoping for. I'm just disappointed that this marketing went the way it did, whether it was intentional buzz or not. Just seemed like unnecessary anger at any party involved. I'm on everybody's side and I just want peace. I don't even like using the word hate so casually anyway, but that's a rant for another day about the power of word choice and stuff that is just, yeah, we could go on for hours. But I'm just saying I totally understand the critiques of this era, but I am so glad it's out. I think it suits her. And subject matter aside, the set of songs in this album, really strong. She should off her cool performance skill too, unlike ever before with the Wicked Love performance video. And she gets to show off more of a rock-infused style with Bad Hobby. So she does get to mature, but the lovely childlike character stays front and center in the title track. So I got the best of both worlds this comeback. Number 14. Zunia Grateful. Very hard to summarize what he's all about. But the best I can do is say he's like an artist singing gentle ballads and more R&B stuff. And then also turning to auto-tuned heavily rap. Like Ash Island meets Ravi meets Jay Park, I guess. I don't know, but I love it. The distorted vocals in Muses, the piano and guitars in Love on a Boat, the high notes in Destiny that... I will say, though, upon further re-listens, I've officially decided the most remarkable track that just, wow, it's so, so good, is Vanished. Complimenting his variety are the collaborator's variety, too. The features he chose also showed he pulls off many tricks. Number 13. Mengia Geoland perfect tracklist order with the dance floor ready, fast-paced, singing and rapping, featuring bangers to start and finish. And in the middle are the different vibes, but it starts and ends. It's capped off with fantastic dance floor ready bangers. Good Good Love is mid-tempo at most, a laid-back weekend playlist feel. And Illusion is also R&B-ish, piano-driven, with synth moments. But yeah, the best are the start and finish. Number 12, TNX Boyhood. Kick It For Now, that video really sold me. Like, this was on the list, but a bit lower. It rose because of that video. Because not only did it take inspiration from the In Summer video by the duo Do, D-E-U-X, but also it impressed me just because it was just very cool visually. Like, no matter what setting, they change settings a lot in outfits. They're all in red, all in white, all in black, mint green, etc. As they change to a new monochrome theme and setting, they keep dancing. So the synchronization, the contagious energy, it transfers across time and space of the video, basically. I also was impressed by the visual aspect of this comeback for the cool creative marketing. The fake newspaper headlines, the PSAs in the paper, the fake advertisements, the fake print ads. The ads for this comeback were literal ads. It was quite meta and just unique. The new Jack Swing sound also just I'm living for for them. They really brought great summer vibes in a creative way. Number 11. From Miss Nine, Unlock My World. 
I most love when they lean into that Lay Seraphim style ASMR type hush delivery like in Fearless. And they do so on Attitude and What I Want. Other songs are very them. They sound just like We Go and Feel Good, DM. They have a very signature sound. And they're back to that with Hashtag Me Now, with Don't Care. They have the R&B-ish My Night Routine, the clapping and chant-filled ending. Wishless sounds like a Red Velvet B-side a bit, which is a good thing. Overall, just a, an impressive release that really just shows they, they know what their lane is and they stick to it. And they said as much at the press conference about them feeling like a stronger team with a clearer creative vision than ever. They know who they are as a group now and work better together than ever. Number 10. Jeff Sutter, Lucid. I am so in love, well, with him, but also with his voice. He really is just, he has a gorgeous voice, and it's so beautiful on this ballad. And his words are as poetic as ever. Every star's light waits for you in the dark tonight. I know that nothing ever lasts, even the good things. If we chase the past, we can only dream. But while it's still lucid, I'll drown in. Before daylight breaks us at the seams, before the night ends, all just a dream. It's a beautiful song about holding on to a love even as it in real time slips away. You're lucid dreaming, but you're still holding on to the dream as long as you can. Another fave of mine, Nene, stars in the video with him, which is very Beauty and the Beast-esque. He plays actually more of a Tarzan-type character, if you ask me, who gets cleaned up and cared for and loved by this beauty. He worked on the storyboard and she helped with directions, camera work, etc. They make a cool team. Would love more movie and video pitching and directing with that duo. Number nine, Lunate continue with a question mark. They really have an endearing debut release here. Wildheart is a great title track. They look so just happy together. They have that debut energy to them, a genuineness to the excitement and the good vibes. They look so carefree in their coordinating outfits. It's just cute. And they keep the fun going with Voyager, with a cute slumber party and a party that basically day goes to night. Happy summer vibes all around. The album is so strong. It's got some punk influences, some pop rock, synths, lo-fi stuff fast-paced stuff, whistling. There is just a lot to it, and their set of title tracks, Voyager and Wildheart, I thought were a great showcase of that. I'm really keeping my eyes on this new group. Number eight, Eight Turn, Uncharted Drift. They reunited with the same writer behind Tic Tac for XL, but I do think XL is the stronger title track. Old school hip-hop with those rock guitars, it is just a rollicking good time that fits the feel of the video where they graffiti the heck out of this school. But in an unexpected plot twist at the end, they end up having to clean it up, which usually doesn't happen in K-pop videos, them being punished for the vandalism. So that was a, an unexpected sudden end to the adventure. The other songs have more hip-hop vibes, but also alt-rock, R&B, and even gospel influences. They also worked with Tony Maserati, a mixing engineer who's worked with Twice, Alicia Keys, and Selena Gomez. They further got my attention with the story trailer, with a monologue about dreams and reality being blurred, and a story showing them chasing this golden bird that seems to go from the dream world into their reality. That's the long and short of it. The story's just getting started, and I'm very curious where it goes. I'm also curious fashion-wise what they do next. Apparently they intend to wear those pants backwards. Sometimes you'll see them in backwards pants. They said that's intentional because their whole theme is irregularity, so not sure if I'm on board, but you do you. Number seven, P1 Harmony, Harmony All In. I might break a record in this episode for most shameless plugs in one episode I've ever done. My P1 Harmony early listening album review and press conference recap both on my Substack now. So yes, I'm a bit biased to like their work because I've done coverage of it. I really do find myself impressed with them all the time. They keep getting better and more both unison and varied. 
Like, their music is so shaking things up all the time. Back and forth, ad-libs and raps and just passing the baton vocally between verses, showing off singing versus rapping strengths, getting slow versus speeding things up. They keep things fresh, but over time they've been really strengthening their rapport performance-wise. They're a more united unit than ever and a more experimental one somehow. They really are just naturals at this, is the shortest way to put it. They were born for this. Whistling, ad-libs, etc. The details keep it really extra fun. The na-na-na's and stuff like that too. It's so fun, but also they do have more meaningful moments too. So yeah, it's a bit of everything. And they pull it off like the pros they are. Love all the Kehoe on this album. All the Kehoe solo vocal standout moments. I can't wait for the day I hear Jump Live. So perfect for concerts. I also kind of get a veiled sense of birthday by icon, B-Day. That instrumental could go well with Jump. Someone needs to mash it up. Love Me For Me has cute L-O-V-E and na na lyrics. The epitome of this album is Kehoe singing There's Nothing Like Self-Love. Perfect summary of this album. Great message about self-love, but delivered in a very effortlessly impressive show-offy way. Like showing off so much talent, singing emotionally about a powerful topic in a song that is super fun and also full of L-O-V-E's and na-na-na's and other nonsensical type fun. It's a frivolous song and a very substantive one. I also think it has some cipher, I like you energy. New Classic is most primed out of these songs, I think, for an EDM remix. And it builds really well off of this momentum of this beat drop towards the end. More than words, I find the standout B-side, though. Kehoe's voice really impresses even more than usual. In a short period of time, it just transitions really well into different pitches in ways that's fluid. There are fun rap-talking segments, too. Again, they don't take themselves too seriously, but they do show off serious chops when they do anyway. I could go on and on. The point is, the album is full of earnest expressions and very carefree considerations, I guess. They have an intriguing epilogue that recently came out, too, for this era. Recall the big floating crystal structures were all around them in Do It Like This when they basically reset the time travel watch. And then in Doom to Doom, the crystals were back and they looked frozen in time. Now they're back, and maybe they're unfrozen now. They continue to be noticeable, a notable presence for the story's sake. Number six, shiny, hard. I talked about this quite a bit recently in the Best Albums of the Year So Far episode, so I'll keep it pretty short. There are lots of oddball twists and turns to these songs, and they really always just mix that, that attitude, that cavalier delivery with just showing off again, flexing their beautiful harmonies and skill as a group. They're such a strong unit, and they have a ton of fun. I love the Easter eggs, too, throughout the teaser clips and even the performance video for Juice where they have not only that orb that I've seen in the background of NCT videos, but that red-lit cage-type structure in XO's material. The Quanya of it all. I've gone on so much about that, and I got to really think more about the SMCU with that stuff, as well as the, the premise of the teaser clips where they are in that manufactured movie set-type setting, like they're the stars of a show. A show within a show, the outfits for them and props are waiting for them in that building in the middle middle of the fake plants. I see a lot of connections here to the greater SMCU story. Most notable though is when Taman puts the maze on the table, the same maze that the EXO members have been in, being treated like lab rats. It's like a Horton Hears a Who situation, and the shiny members are in the bigger world, with EXO shrunken down into the smaller one, so that maze looked life-size for them, in videos like Overdose. The whole SMCU is a nesting doll of worlds, and Shiny are in a bigger one. They also show dominance over XO's characters in the Juice Practice video with the tempo-era cube cage structure behind them. Number 5, 80's The World Episode 2, Outlaw. Again, I talked about this quite a bit in the Best Albums of the Year So Far episode. I'll just say for now, I love that they keep their story going. Their music video universe story keeps unfolding. 
Remember, with ATs, you have to watch their videos till the last second, or you might miss a key detail, a key last minute end credit scene type feeling. Also, I will just reiterate, they are really finding a unique sound for them that is so carefree. I love it. The choreography to bouncy, the rapping, they are going for it more than ever. They just are kind of freestyling through this, but it's really working. The breakdown towards the end of Wonderland, that crawled so that the breakdown in Gorilla could walk, so that the breakdown at the end of Bouncy could run. This is really, I just love that progression, and I love that they're leaning more into that now. I hope they keep up the songs with the nearing the end of the song breakdown, where they just lose it, they just go crazy. That is so fun live, and just to rock out to wherever you are. I also think it's cool that they have a song called Django, which means I awake in Romani before the song Wake Up and then Outlaw. Like, they became outlaws because they couldn't deal with the with conforming to the world as they saw it. Number four, B.I. To Die For. I have so many thoughts about this album, I could spend hours talking about it. It's really multi-layered in its meaning, its storytelling. I was very impressed. He combines some older songs and some newer stuff in a way that I think shows his genuine growth as an artist in a songwriter from that last batch of songs being out. He's really grown since then. This shows it. And storytelling-wise with the series of episodes in like a mini-series he released in place of your traditional track videos. So what I find interesting is looking at the story in the order of the track list as opposed to the order of the episodes. So first comes the song To Die, then Wave, which corresponds to episode 5, Happiness is Over. Then the Island of Misfit Toys, corresponding to episode 4, were Wallflower. We're like going back in time. But then comes Die for Love, associated with episode 8, Finale. Then Dare to Love, associated with episode 2, Who Are You? I mean, it keeps going back and forth. So if we're just looking at episode titles corresponding to the track list, it goes Happiness is Over? Question mark. We're Wallflower, Finale, Who Are You, Hello Stranger, At The Moment, Time Is Up, Give Me A Breath, and then there's the last title I haven't mentioned, WTF. So yeah, there's some sort of unfolding of having a vague memory you've met someone before, and then kind of going back in time to before you knew them, revisiting a memory. That's sort of how I interpret that order. Now, if you just look at the track list order, though, in the teaser commentary before the album came out associated with each song, it's an interesting parallel story. With today's context teased with who dares to criticize and point fingers at me, I risked my entire life for this. Then came Wave with the comment, a blade-sharp three-minute dance. The Island of Misfit Toys, about the youth's illusory fantasy. Die for Love, the first struggle and romance of youth. Dare to Love, love is born at first sight in the language of emotions, writes poetry. Beautiful Life, what else is there to live for when love also gets taken away? Cloud Thought, maybe all this will end up meaningless, but nonetheless... Then comes truth, we thirst for perfection. Then Michelangelo and the words, my ego is now vindicated. So just looking at the episode order, it's like, oh, this is about love and being vulnerable. If you just look at the comments associated with each song on the main poster for this era and the tracklist order, it tells a story about ego and hiding vulnerability. Being like, I feel vindicated, everything was worth it, worth the hassle, worth the struggle, I deserved that love, I pursued it relentlessly. It's kind of a hero's tale as opposed to the sense of wanting in the other version. But then again, in the actual episodes, the plot does show that trackless progression to feeling reborn. So basically, the long and short of it is this story can be read different ways. One way is totally different than the other, and then yet a third way still is just watching the videos. It's very ambiguous, and that was intentional. And I just think B.I. is really improving in his storytelling, his ability to pull off those ambiguities in a way that feels still satisfying and not incomplete. Number three, Taeyeon Shalala. I gushed about this at length because he's one of my favorite people and I love this album so much on the episode called Taeyeon's Time to Shine. So let's move on to number two. King Daniel, Realize. Spelled kind of like real lies. R-E-A-L-I-E-Z. 
I talked about this also before in the Best Albums of the Year so far episode, but also for a second again here I do want to gush about it because he really knocked it out of the park. This synopsis video I will not read in full, but I will skim it and quote from it. Quote, The story of the man who was the angel of death. There was the man who was the angel of death in the time of eternity. There is a constant sound of pain from the place beyond the river called the hell. Why do people come here sinning endlessly? Why do people have to suffer even after they die? As he thought about it endlessly, the time of eternity passed again. There were many angels of death. They went looking for him. The man collected the coins of the angels of death, which had the ability to produce results that deviated from the law of causation. The man more and more became a weird being, neither the alive nor the dead. Villages of the dead had formed near there, near hell, where they couldn't get in. The man rather returned their souls with the coins than let them live again. The angels of death who were furious about empty hell, they were going to punish him in front of everyone. However, this was the man's plan to call together all the demons and angels. The man used all the coins that he had collected. All the demons were wiped out, but people's sins arose, and hell has been created without fail. The man goes to destroy hell every day like he used to, unquote. So his story in both this premise setter video and the official videos for this era, he plays the character who takes coins from the angels of death, basically trades them in, buys them access to, in my interpretation, get out, get a ride out of hell, and then hell is empty. He thinks he freed them, but it turns out now they want after him, they want to punish him for taking away sinners, and those sins stayed in hell. Even when they left, their souls stayed and the sins, the sinfulness stayed swirling. And so once again, he has to go on trying to destroy those sins because trying to liberate a person did nothing to liberate a soul. I think it helps to know the River of Sticks story and the Lethe story, the stories about these rivers in mythology and stuff that have been referenced before and we talked about in an Enhyphen specific episode recently about Dark Blood, that album. So check out the Enhyphen episodes for more context. But I think that's what they're talking about here. That river and how people outside of that river are there because they couldn't pay the ferryman's fee to get into hell because you need to travel via boat. So they form villages wherever they are, roaming souls that are outside of hell because they can't get past. That's, I think, the setting here. The quote at the end is Matthew 10, 28. Quote, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the ones who can destroy both soul and body in hell, unquote. It's such an intense video for SOS. Wasteland is pretty cinematic too, but more just dramatic scene setting than action. All the action, the gore, the weapons, the injuries, the explosions, it all happens in the western action apocalypse horror violent thriller massive genre hybrid adventure in SOS. Anyway, he summed it up as, quote, The album is about the process of realizing the truth hidden in lies. It's a story of gaining enlightenment through uncovering truth from lies and a story about the realization to face our whole self, unquote. It's such a, a personal album, a way to really personalize. It's up to you. It's a personalized, personalization-enabling album. Everyone can go away with a very individual interpretation, and I love that. It's very complex, and you get to take whatever resonates with you from the story and make it your own, apply it to your own life. It's quite a literature reference-rich, just thought-provoking, in-depth premise there's a lot of material given to you to process and apply, and it's a really interesting just prompting of inner reflection, and I just found the themes he touched on in this era really profound and worth admiring. How he conveyed this complex story to life in such a edge-of-your-seat viewing experience way. He covers some very deep themes about the nature of life and death in ways that are very dramatic and still compelling and it's not like your eyes are glazing over. No, you're watching with rapt attention. It covers heavy subjects in a way that I think has mass appeal. I don't know, there are so many decisions, cinematography-wise, creative vision-wise, he made for this era that I find so brilliant and... I'll shut up now, but I really do just admire what this album Realize is doing.
Drumroll, please. Best release of June 2023. Stray Kids 5 Star which I did a whole episode about already, dissecting every detail of it, from the really funny music video to the both funny and more serious thought-provoking song lyrics. So check it all out. The episode is called Five Star Celebration. Now on to a ton of honorable mentions. Yon Yon, Black Diary. It seems like she really improved on finding out her specific lane. So this is the old Yon Yon auto-tune on purpose sound, but better, new and improved. With more moments where she kind of strips that away a bit, just shows underneath there is real vocal talent. She doesn't use auto-tune because she needs to, but because she wants to and makes interesting artistic touches with it. My name is a good example of letting up on that a bit compared to previous stuff. Knockin' is the best song, I think. Almost a bit kind of like a VV song or Red Lipstick by Lehigh. If you just want the old classic Yon Yon sound, though, not the slightly evolved and changed a bit one, How to Hate Me is kind of a throwback. The video's honestly left a bit to be desired, not much action. But I will say, I always love her eccentric wardrobe choices, her very take-me-as-I-am attitude, beat-of-her-own-drum attitude, zebra print and shield sunglasses and blue hair and a fuzzy hat and, like, everything else that screams why not and why not all at once. She does rock a really cute, very, very, very blindingly sparkly jacket in the Cheetos video. We, I, love part three eternally. Overdrive is so catchy. It's been in my head a lot lately. Really one of their better title tracks. The album is quite varied, from slower R&B vibes to something a bit more dramatic, thriller. End of the Day finishes it off, showing off both rapping and singing strengths in the group. And it has nice layering to the guitars and piano, so it's a little less boring, frankly, than a typical end-of-album ballad choice. DKB, I Need Love. That House Pop song has a very funky instrumental, fun surprising high notes, and funky synthesizers, a retro feel to more than 100 reasons. It is overall such a funky release, with a fun outro, as if the parade, the sonic parade is on the way out, as they march away from you, banging on pots and pans or whatever. A very energizing and energetic release. I also like the fact with One on One, that became their first subunit song, and E-Chan and GK both helped write and compose it. Actually, they started working on it during peak time. Kim Jae-hwan, Journey Above Music. Honestly, I think his best song ever is still I Wouldn't Look For You, but it is refreshing to see this super colorful, smiley side of him. He's usually just such a crooner with ballads and more pained material, but he fits a summer vibe now. Does a complete 180. Also, Bobby helps with that. His feature was unexpected, but it works. The video is very fun, inviting, full of color, balloons, nonstop good vibes, magic running shoes, very lively summer fun. Han Sun Woon, Frame. He's from Victon, but proves to really just shine solo as an R&B focused artist. The title track is an R&B song called Dive Into. And this one with the intro, make the pop punk focus later, a very fun, delightful surprise. This title track was produced by Chacha Malone, which was the first sign it was going to be good. Overall, just a varied, high-quality release. Angie, Angie, a self-titled EP. This multilingual release is just heavenly with the gentle, high-pitched vocals. The synth pop is so catchy. The slower moments are beautiful too, though. The demo version of Unloving You is included, and it really is a, a rough cut. It's clearly a demo version, but impressive still, and special. It feels like you were in the studio with her. The new video for Bad Dream is interesting. It's not exactly a great lesson about good karma, but it's fun enough to live vicariously through her as she gets revenge on this guy she's jealous of. Contrary to the To The Stars video where she just enjoyed dancing around a diner, now she's mad and using the diner as a place to voodoo doll style take her anger out on this girl who's dating her crush. 
So she ruins their dinner date, stabs the burger that has googly eyes in it, chokes her glass of juice, breaks other food in half, even just ripping up napkins somehow has a voodoo doll effect on him. She's really torturing him for going out with her. So no, she does not learn her lesson, but the video is, like I said, I guess you could live vicariously through it better than actually inflicting that pain on someone you're mad at yourself. That's what videos are for, I guess. You know I'm a sucker for book references in music videos. I will go down big rabbit holes using those books and their topics as jumping off points for my big red string bulletin board theories. I won't do that today, but I'm just saying that was the appeal for me with Ada by Yu Yun Wu. Because it definitely looks like she's reading The Little Prince in French. I can't actually do my go-to red string bulletin board antics, though, with that theme, because the video is less related, I think, to the story than even I could draw the lines and prove. Every time I feel like I understand what's going on in that video, something else happens. Like, I think I figure out what the symbolism is, what the oddities all come together to say, big picture, and then suddenly I'm looking at a weird costume of an extra or some other weird symbol. So it is a prop-filled, quizzical, but kind of aesthetically pleasing video. BTS released Take Two, and it's really sweet and chock full of classic references that make the most sense if you're a fan. Talking about youth, stay, soul, face, beginning. It is a giant Easter egg hunt, a giant trail of crumbs to pick up, I guess. I don't know what other metaphor you want to use, but it is chock full of references that are very much appreciated. It really is a touching song. It's not just like a cheesy phoning it in anniversary song. The label oblige them to make. On their break, when they easily could have had an excuse to not do this, they really put their all into a very thoughtful, sweet song. It just shows how genuine they are, their appreciation for ARMY and their gratitude for this life. A beautiful way to talk about a special bond, period, too. Just talking about the the intersection of a spirit, the way people form this united force together, how powerful that is, and how worth stopping to appreciate that is. Speaking of love, <laughs> Bilkin, a P-pop star, is back with Love's Apprentice. His work is city pop meets brassier pop meets just kind of a laid-back pace. Mellow city meets brassy celebration pop. Low-key but lively. Ballad songs with faster-paced song structures sometimes too. YTT, W-H-Y-T-E, has a new album called Way Out, which is very moody, soulful, jazzy, has R&B influences, Mando pop influences, and I love the track-by-track commentary. That's always an interesting touch to a release, to really dive deeper into what the artist thought as they made it. The best songs to exemplify her very distinct way of putting things, her distinct style, Hole and Obob. When it comes to an acquired taste, the perfect example of a group who's not for everybody, but if you love them, you love them, Passcode. And they released Groundswell, the new EP that definitely some people will not care for, but I love this stuff. If you're into Baby Metal, Wagamama Rakia, Bish, Game Parade, they are a J-Rock group that do a ton of screamo stuff, sort of screamo. Lots of screeching mixed with electropop. It is wild in the best ways. They really go for extra screaming in Melody from the Bumbling Crash, which kind of sums up what it sounds like. I think the best song is the title track, Groundswell. Their appeal is the same as ever. We will obviously talk more about NCT Dream's new era in the future on the show, but in June they did release a pre-release single, Broken Melodies, which is really sweet and really feels like Hello Future 2.0. Like, if this is a yearly summer tradition to have a, a new version of Hello Future, aesthetically a big, colorful, sunshiny, sweet love story, wholesome return to the scene, if they want to do that every summer, I'm 110% behind it. The official press release described it as, quote, The lyrics portray the difficulties of a long-distance relationship and the strong will to do anything for the one you love, unquote. So sweet as always. And speaking of releases, we will have much more to say about in a future episode. TXT have been busy, not just with the awesome What My Dreams Are Made Of, Joe Bros collab, but also before that, they released the Sugar Rush Ride Japanese version video. 
which I totally overanalyzed the heck out of. The key detail, though, that is so touching if you're following their ongoing music video narrative is the Band-Aid. The Band-Aid is back, and that moment is super meaningful. If you know, you know. So that video is a delight. Hydrangea love, their new song I love. They are just still on top of the world, and I know I said I'll talk about this more in the future, but couldn't help but babble for a second. Speaking of groups I babble about for way too long, just kidding, there's no such thing, N-Hyphen released a video for Sacrifice that is so stunning. Truly one of the most visually captivating, ethereal videos of the year so far. So even if you are not at all familiar with their narrative story, their ongoing music video story, which I am, and I've broken down very intensely in past episodes, you can still really enjoy the video and be swept up in it and figure out, oh, this is why they're such a big deal now. This is why they went, they upgraded to arenas in the US. That kind of storytelling they bring to life, it is so next level, just beautiful and cinematic. More speaking of artists, I talk about a lot. Hoshi really stay on YouTube. I love that he touches on a lot of classic 17 lyric themes in the lyrics to his own song, referencing a love story playing out like a movie, the struggle to find the right words to say to someone, just needing to look in their eyes or hold hands and convey meaning beyond language, their deep lyrics about truth versus lies and why we tell each other that stuff, the nature of the passage of time. They get pretty deep and he does it again, but packages it in just a very nice digestive way, as the group always does as a whole. Okay, I know I'm talking too much about July releases already, but come on, I must also say, June recently released Psycho, you must check it out. My only issue with it is how freaking short it is. Even if you extend the instrumental, I feel like something could have been done to, even if he was on time constraints, make that joy of listening last at least a little longer. XG are at an interesting point, visual storytelling-wise. I feel like they abandoned the rainbow kids TV show vibe of their super illogical past work. I think now they're just going to focus on this cool new concept they should offer girl giving. The sci-fi, cyberpunk, spy movie meets trendy fashion, glow-in-the-dark superhero or villain aesthetic. Look, whatever they're going for, this time it's really, I think, an improvement. And it goes with their fierce attitudes and songs. Ayaka has a very sweet video for home. It provokes nostalgia with the sweet childhood memories she watches on a projector screen, the cute childhood photos, videos. And it provokes nostalgia with starting and ending, zooming in and then zooming out of this dollhouse where she is sitting inside. That's the premise of the video, reliving these memories. And it totally looks like a Fisher-Price dollhouse. There's no product label on it, but it totally looks like a Fisher-Price dollhouse. So definitely worth reminiscing about. Sia Jiwoo's video for Yummy really brought to mind Nayeon's pop. Also Nmix's videos with that candy store. Because this is a very candy-colored, bright atmosphere with a cute range of style choices in bright colors. And also just a cute white dress. Ruffles and tutu skirts, but also preppy looks, more casual wear, sporty stuff. Very cute outfits and aesthetic that's very nyan. And the song is just very catchy and bouncy. Sugar and Halsey sounds so good on Lilith, the name of a she-demon character in mythology, basically banished from the garden for disobeying. That evil character, or portrayed as evil, is who they channel for the song. Halsey is so perfect for that. Her voice is really just mesmerizing on this song. The song and the very cool, literally dark video are for the new Diablo game, which also has, as part of its promo, a song from Joel and Sai, Necessary Evil, as part of its ad campaign, which I am thrilled and shocked about. Anyway, my only gripe with it is how little of the song is for Suga. Like, his contribution, it feels like they gave him maybe 20% most of the song to really thrive. He could have done some more angsty rapping or some other verse in there. Judge me if you want, but I still adore some of the music put out by Miku. I genuinely am not being ironic or joking. Some of Miku's music slaps, and the Miku songs that really go off that I recently checked out are from the next Remixers EP with On Prism Records, Alive, Oneself. I mean, those songs did everything. 
Black On continues to release music that isn't like automatic hit material, but it grows on you with time. It's kind of ominous when it's softer and off-putting in a way. It's stirring emotionally, like watching an unnerving movie. The discomfort is not actually discomfort. You're actually, like, enjoying it. Hard to explain. Check out Confusion to kind of understand what I mean. That for the... Although Confusion actually probably is my favorite, but not the best example. Love Equals is probably a good example. Watch the video. Watch Black On's other videos. You'll see. There's a cute but over-the-top acting-filled cheesy video if you just want a fun love story with Baby by Jayoon, Lim Seju, and Klazikai. C-L-A-Z-Z-I-Q-U-A-I. I feel for this girl at first, just trying to read outdoors on a beautiful day when this guy starts throwing paper airplane love letters to her, presumably they're love letters, maybe they're just paper airplanes, tries to woo her with flowers, won't just leave her alone, but she ends up going from shrugging him off to embracing the sweet gestures, giving him a chance, and so she goes from this dancing in a way that shows she's going away from him to dancing in sync with him, like a natural real-time evolution from them dancing as enemies to lovers. It's like watching a live theater production where a plot is taking place as the dance unfolds, and they go from him pursuing a crush and her not reciprocating to her kind of leaning into the relationship, and they find love together. They run around a field together, then they end up sitting on a bench together, forming this heart with their hands as they watch the sunset. It's that kind of cute romance movie stuff. I love it, but, you know, if that's not for you, what you expect is what you get. The boys are back with Delicious. They have some slower vibey stuff with door, skateboard is a fun but laid back vibe. They have songs that really show group unison strengths when they go into courses as a group. Take Me Back, Skateboard. They have the sway-worthy talk about us with another unison chorus. They're just, as always, a strong team. Speaking of teams, and team returned with first howling, we. I love the thought put into the teaser content. With the nowhere sign, like the word on the street, literally the word on the street says nowhere, and then you space it out and it says now here. Same letters, one space makes a big difference. Classic Hybe situation to take even a small detail like that and find a way to derive some meaning out of it. Shout out to Andy Love, who I did interview on a past episode. It's called K-Pop Talk with Andy Love, who worked on the song Firework. The guitar strumming in it is a little bit like, just a little bit like Thursday's Child is Far to Go by TXT. So if you like that vibe, Firework is a good one for you. They could go on the same playlist. Blind Love is a good way to show off the higher register voices. Good layering, good high quality production. My favorite song though, Road Not Taken. You Kiss came to party. Fun to see them come back with playlist. And Party Tonight really proves they're just back and ready to have fun. As does the new A-side, The Wonderful Escape. The funky improv feel to the piano in my favorite. Unexpected strings thrown in there too. The slower stuff is also still fun in a way. Like all the cymbal crashes. They are just antsy to get back out there and make music. And you get that feel. It comes through loud and clear that they're so ready to be back. Beyond ready with these songs. VAV is back with Subconscious. Shameless plug, my VAV interview talks a bit about the behind the scenes of the new video. It's on Substack now, also the interview section of my site. Anyway, there's a lot of snapping in this album. I just found it interesting, a through line with snapping and guitars. So kind of some mellow vibes, but also bouncier stuff. The best to just show off the deep voices is Reason. Okay, even more July releases we're talking about early because Jem's new Spanish language album is here and it is her first Spanish language album and it's beautiful. The song Gloria is, it came out in June and that was a really strong choice for a lead for the album. It's really poetic and her voice is very raw. I mean, listen to this poetry from Gloria. My love, an infinite deep sea, even if the sky falls, it falls into me. 
Gloria, do not fear. Gloria, there is no fear in love. My love, a river of eternal stream. It will wash your wounds and make you clean. By my side, set yourself free. I'll bear your burden if you let me. Even when you are wandering, I am with thee. One pre-release in June, full release in July, crossover release that I will save to talk about later. Who knows, maybe even in a separate episode because there's a lot I have to say about it. I really love the girl group Kiss of Life. They're new and their series of solo videos really intrigued me. They are just, I think, ones to watch. We'll talk about them more later, but right away, wanted to shout out their new release. It's self-titled. Another June and July release, XY's Crazy Love. It's a new Japanese group created by Yoshiki, which is already a good stamp of approval for me. The video, though, didn't come out till July, so we'll talk more about their debut later. Shota Shimizu, Insomnia. This is quite a variety pack. There's a perfect transition from loser to fallen. The bounciness of loser, the tempo of loser, auto-tune feel of fallen that goes mid-tempo and vibier. The vibes flow well. The album has a good flow, but it's also so varied. And it also just has a lot of zigzags. So it is a flow, but it's like a zigzag roller coaster of a flow. Very interesting. Baby I Love You So is quite a switch up as he belts out a song with this backup choir and the saxophone. He's got a higher register voice shining on Moonlight than the piano ballad Tokyo Life, more higher register thriving on Summer, a guitar ballad in More Than Friends, the autotune rap R&B insomnia. So he has some more autotune heavy songs and some more stripped back slow stuff too. Now for even more honorable mentions in a super rapid-fire lightning round, because there's still more I want to get to, and I'll just keep it super quick. So here we go. I am showing off impressive R&B trap jazz range that all goes well with his voice on Overdrive. T5 proved of unique energy when they come together with a cool new synergy for the new Treasure subunit song, Move. They look very chic in those outfits, too. Suju's atmospheric, unpredictable dance song, Waiting For You. Espa have new videos out for Hold On Tight, a great OST, Until We Meet Again. Penomeco with Rorsetch, part two. The best song is Bangers or Quick Fast. Sophie Chen and OSN balance each other out well, her beautiful voice and his rap for On My Way. A super fun new synth pop song is Fantastics, Tell Me. Yuno and Max Chingman both unexpectedly released, at least on Spotify, for the first time, Japanese versions of Thank You and Fever. Real, R-E-O-L, released Edge. The anime cut came out in June, the official version in July, which I would say is better. Alexa released a live version of Juliet in a very pretty dress on the picturesque Jeju Island. Lisa proved to be suited well for the Spider-Man OST she did for the Japanese dub version, Realize. Melody and Christine released In the End, a beautiful new song with a very earnest, touching message pleading for a more harmonious world that's more united. They also released a beautiful candlelight version in July. Cute dog alert for the video for We Go High by Roy Kim. Acapella group Nareen's best new cover, Can't Stop the Feelin'. Vanillaire released Alive, which I honestly prefer way more than the other recent single, and I did not expect that. But Alive, honestly, might be a late contender joining the others on my best songs of the year so far list. Infodemics by San Sohi and Iluli, very eerie and atmospheric. Eric Nam is as honey-voiced as ever with House on a Hill, which has a great straightforward message about what will truly bring you happiness in life and what is a fool's errand to pursue, thinking it will fill that void. Vernon needs to jump on a remix of the pop-punk What More Can I Say by Owe featuring Dive. Vandal Rock and John East release Better Days, which sounds like a Calvin Harris song, something that would definitely vibe on U.S. pop radio. Lastly, Sumika, Starting Over. It sounds like the wedding song from a comedy movie. Do with that what you will. The brass band version being included in the single album. I found a nice, jovial addition. And finally, some English language releases I'm loving lately. 
LA, E-L-H-A-E, continues to have such a beautiful voice, so smooth, so perfect for R&B, with Numb. Yes, I'm biased now. I really grew to respect him even more as an artist after our talk on a past episode of the show, Shameless Plug. Jesse Page released Wishing Well, which is so Jesse Page. It is so unique. It is so just perfectly her style. It's kind of Panic at the Disco adjacent, but more pop. I don't know how to explain it other than that. She's really a unique creative vision. And Olivia Rodrigo, Vampire, which is just as a gut punch as it was with Driver's License, I would say. Just really a very pointed, pained way to get her message across. She really just continues to amaze me with her writing and her singing because imagine what her skill level will be in five years' time when she's lived on the planet for more than just two decades. That's all for me today. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and don't forget to stay tuned to the newsletter for the final ranking of the top 20 and just tons of other recommendations all the time. So thank you all for tuning in. Check out the newsletter for free, 17karatkpop.substack.com, and I'll talk to you all again very soon. Bye, everybody.